Hey, we're going to jump into the word this morning. And I do believe that the presence of God is already here in this place. So here's the great thing about this is that I know that God wants to speak to every single one of us. And what I love that only God can do is he can take one message and make it deeply personal for every single one of us. That in and of itself is a miracle every time we gather. And I also know that truth sets us free. So I'm praying that wherever we are in our journey of faith today, whatever we're wrestling with, whatever question mark we have going on in our heart, whatever we're hoping for, that God would speak to the places of our heart that only he could speak to and that we would leave here a bit different than we came in. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, God, that you want to speak to us this morning. So we open our hearts, and our agenda is just to hear from you, hear from heaven today. Speak to us. We're yours. We're listening. We're attentive. Take the lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, uh, recently, a friend of mine, and this will just give you a little bit of context for me, uh, she was telling a story, and she's kind of this carefree personality, very positive. And at the end of her story, she said, don't you just love surprises? And without a pause, without a hesitation, with no filter, I just said, no. No, I do not. No. Uh, listen, I've always been this way. Like when I was a kid, the week before Christmas, I would be scouring the house when my parents weren't around to try to find the gifts that they were hiding so I could know what to expect on Christmas morning. I am still to this day the person that when I buy a novel, I read the last page first just to know it's a worthy investment of my time. Listen, a lot of time is going to go into that, you know. I'm trying to become an avid reader. I'm not there yet. And some of you are listening to this and you're like, man, she's got some serious trust issues. And some of you are like, oh, I'm not alone. Another control freak in the room. Yes, yes, and amen. Here, listen, this is why. Because I, I do think that there are a good amount of surprises that are fun in life, you know? Like the surprise birthday party or your spouse bringing you flowers at the end of the day. Like, that's wonderful. But to me, that's not how surprises always work out. Like, to me, surprises more often than not are like this. I'll never forget the first month that I was living in New York City, and I was waiting for my subway to come. And when it arrived, there was a section of the subway that was completely empty. And I thought to myself, hashtag blessed. I'm going to enjoy an entire ride, commute in peace and quiet. Like this is a transportation unicorn. And so I stepped inside. And let me tell you, I was surprised, but not in the way that I had hoped. There was such a foul odor in that section of the subway car that was completely abandoned that I understood why it was unoccupied by the human race. Like it was so, so bad. I think a lot of times that's what surprises ended up feeling like for me. And I think still do sometimes in life. Life, you know, like we walk into a stinking subway, we watch the doors close and we feel trapped for a certain amount of time. That sometimes is how surprises feel, which is why I have learned the value of clear expectations in life. You know, I've learned to ask what the meeting is about before saying yes and adding it to Cal. Hello. Somebody's like, oh, I got to talk to you. I'm like, what's that talk about? You know, I want to know. I want to be prepared. Right. I've learned to set clear boundaries and, and clear expectations when I say yes to new opportunities and new responsibilities in life. I'm, I'm newly married still, two years in, but I can tell you one of the first things that my husband and I learned is that the clearer we can be on our expectations and communicating them, the better. There's real value to expectations, to, to know what you're stepping into, to be clear from the get-go. Uh, yes, surprises are great every now and again, but we can't build our life on surprises. We build on clear expectations. We're able to plan and move forward based on what we can expect. And I believe that God knows this. And he knows the tension that we live in as human beings with deep, 
God dreams and ambitions and aspirations and, and desires in our hearts while in this life, in this journey of faith, having to walk the unpaid paths into the unknown. And what I've found in my own life and by seeing the lives of other people is that God, for the most part, is so content to just leave us in the dark when it comes to a lot of details about our future. Have you noticed that? I think it's because he is enamored by his children exercising faith. But there is something that he has always made crystal clear, his promises. In fact, the Bible is filled with his promises to us. He doesn't shy away from them. He doesn't leave them ambiguous in nature. He doesn't leave it a great mystery. He's very clear on what we can expect from him while we follow him. And so today, as we're starting a new year, as so many of us are participating in 21 days of prayer and fasting, where we're drawing near to God intentionally at the beginning of the year to seek him, to seek his will. As for many of us, because it's the beginning of a year where a lot of our dreams and, and our goals and our hopes for the year are screaming the loudest in our hearts and minds right now, we're going to take a look at a few promises that God makes to us. Promises straight from his word. Promises that in the midst of ambiguity, in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of having to navigate life's pleasant and not so pleasant surprises can keep us grounded, keep us full of faith, hope, and love, and keep us moving forward. And we're going to do this by looking at the life of Abraham. And one interaction in particular that God has with Abraham. Now, Abraham, we are going to be going like real old school in the Bible today because Abraham who's known for his faith, his story is told in the Bible long before Jesus ever walked the earth and fulfilled his mission in the New Testament. Long before King David was one of the great kings of Israel and united a nation. Long before even Moses arrived in, on the scene in the Old Testament and set God's people free and issued them the Ten Commandments and covenant, long before all of that was Abraham. First known as Abram, and then later renamed by God, Abraham. He was a father of faith and it was his obedience to follow God where God was leading that proved not only to be righteousness for him, but became the foundation for the origins of Israel and for every person of faith still today. And so we're gonna start by reading one of the very first things that God says to Abram in Genesis. Now here is the role that we have to play here as we read this. I want us to imagine for a second that we are Abram, that we're hearing these words from God because part of what's so powerful about God's word is we're not just reading old accounts, it is the living word. And when God puts something in place in his word for us to read, it's so that we can insert ourselves into the narrative and we could hear the spirit of God speak to us afresh and anew today. So let's begin reading in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse one through four. I'm gonna read from the NIV. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land and I will show you and I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. That was his relative, his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he set out. 
If we were to title this message, I imagine we could call today's conversation, What You Can Expect, right? Here's what you can expect. Because that's basically what God is doing when he's calling Abram. He's telling Abram to do something and he's also making crystal clear the promises that Abram can stand on as he steps into the unknown. And these same promises are the promises that God is still making to us today. Promises that in the midst of the unknown, we can build our lives on. So let's break down exactly what God says about what we can expect. The very first thing that God makes crystal clear to Abram here is that you can expect that your action will be required. <laughs> we read this and we love words like blessing, great nation. I, I, I will bless all of the earth through you. We're like, yes, yes, I receive that. Let that be the scripture I build my year on, right? We like those kind of things. They sound great. They sound grand, epic. Need a little bit more epic in my life. And we conveniently skip over the one word that makes all of this even a possibility. Go. <laughs> In other words, if you want to be on the receiving end of all that I have in store for you, Abram, then you have to act in faith. There's going to be some obedience that is required of you along the way. And the same is true for us. Uh, we're preparing to move into a new apartment in the next couple weeks, and I love it. Because I like get to nest, you know what I mean? Nest on a budget, but nest nonetheless. And so I've been doing a lot of research and we've been starting to buy a couple furniture pieces. And there's a box you can click when you're buying furniture online that says assembly for a certain amount of cost and then no assembly. Well, no assembly, we can figure it out, right? So here's what's gonna happen. Our furniture, our lovely, beautiful furniture in a couple weeks is gonna arrive in boxes, right? It's not gonna look anything like it did when we purchased it online. And on the side of those boxes, it's gonna have a label on them that says some assembly required, right? We know this, we're signing up for this. I actually believe that in the journey of faith, that God has each and every one of us on, in following Jesus, along the way God has so many gifts set aside for us. But if we look a little closely, on the side, it's gonna say some obedience required, <laughs> you know? You know, James actually talks about this. This is a theme throughout the whole Bible. Well, the Old and New Testament talks about how we have to act on our faith, that we do have to take steps of faith and we have to walk in obedience to the leading of Jesus in our lives. James 2, 17 through 24, the Passion Translation reads this way. So then faith that doesn't involve action is phony. Well, just get straight to the point there, James, right? But someone might object and say, one person has faith and another person has works. Well, go ahead then and prove to me that you have faith without works and I will show you faith by my works as proof that I believe. You can believe all you want that there is one true God, that's wonderful, but even the demons know this and tremble with fear before him, yet they're unchanged, they remain demons. Wow, he's just so, so soft about it, isn't he? No, he's getting straight to the point here. James also says this, O feeble sons of Adam, do you need further evidence that faith divorced from good works is phony? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham found righteous before God because of his works? 
when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. Can't you see how this action cooperated with his faith? And by his action, faith found its full expression. So in this way, the scripture was fulfilled. Because Abraham believed God, his faith was exchanged for God's righteousness. So he became known as the lover of God. So now it's clear that a person is seen as righteous in God's eyes, not merely by faith alone, but by his works. This has been so true in my life. I keep discovering this. It's, sometimes I feel like it's a surprise. It shouldn't be now that, oh God, you're asking me to do something. <laughs> I remember a couple years ago, some of you actually know that a year and a half ago, I should start here, um, that I became an entrepreneur. I added that to the list of things on my plate. I love it. Uh, God called me and I have a business partner who's also part of Liberty and we co-founded together a digital media company for young women called Iridescent Women. And we offer articles and videos and podcasts and resources and events uh, to encourage and equip young women. And uh, about two years ago is actually where it started, two summers ago. I had no plans to do anything like this. Thank you very much. <laughs> My life was comfortable. It was wonderful. And uh, I was getting ready to actually preach at a young adults conference, a youth and young adults conference. And a worship was finishing and I was off to the side getting ready for a smooth transition out of worship into teaching this particular session. I had a wonderful vantage point while I was off to the side. I actually could look out and see like thousands of people just like worshiping Jesus. And it was one of those spaces and, and moments for me where, you know, uh, it didn't feel like a concert is what I'd say at all. It, didn't, it wasn't like performance driven at all. There was, just, there was just such a sense people were genuinely just like yearning for God and worshiping Jesus. And it was amazing to be a part of and to watch. And, and as I was praying and getting ready to preach off to the side, I kind of said to God, this is so beautiful. Like, thank you that I get to be a part and see this today. And I felt like the spirit of God responded to me and say, well, I want you to look at a few faces in the room, not just the sea of faces. I want you to get more specific. And so I did, I started to scan the room. And as I did, there was a commonality that emerged. All of the faces that I were looking at were young women. And then it was so clear to me in that moment, like the spirit of God, I felt like so clearly God said to me, in this next season of your life, I want you to sow into young women. I, I want you to invest in them. I want you to reach them and I want you to disciple them. This is your harvest field. And if you don't start taking steps of faith and start acting on what I've said, then you will be walking in disobedience. So I remember after uh, preaching that, that session, I remember going home that evening. Ben and I weren't even married yet. I don't even know if we were engaged yet, but I called him because he's somebody in my life that is incredibly wise and will always give it to me straight. And so I started telling him what had happened and I started to say, well, I don't even know what this looks like, but here's maybe what it could be. I, I wanna create something where I'm going to women, not the other way around expecting them to come to me. I wanna bridge a gap in, in the conversations that are happening amongst Christian women and what's happening in culture. I want to reach young women what, what could that look like and I'm talking out loud and finally there's a pause and Ben just says to me you were made for this you need to do this God's called you to this you can do this and I love how God will place the right people in your life to give you wisdom and also encourage the dream be careful who you share your dreams with right it was a good moment for me but from that moment on I just started taking steps of faith I didn't know what that looked like at all I, I, I didn't have a business plan I didn't have a business degree I just started talking to people I talked to now my business partner because I knew she loved working with young people and serving young women. And so I just started talking to her. Uh, again, I didn't have a name. I didn't have any of it. 
Now, I'm all about having plans, and I'm all about having strategy, and I'm all about having business degrees. All of that's great. But I will say that none of that replaces just operating in faith and obedience. There's always a next step for you to take. And in the time that we have launched your destiny, I've seen the faithfulness of God. I've seen the impact that it's made in women's lives. I've seen God come through in ways that are so crazy. God is so faithful and good, way beyond what I could have expected. And I feel like in so many ways, we are just in startup mode and getting going. I've seen God's faithfulness, but I wouldn't have seen God's faithfulness. And I wouldn't be on this adventure if I first hadn't taken just the one step and then the next step and then the next step. Some of us are asking God for the 10-year plan. He's like, why don't you just take the next step? right? Here's the thing about your next step, whether it be in what God's called you to in the workplace, in your marriage, in your health, in your recovery of journey, in your spiritual maturity, the next step probably won't be easy. If it was, you would have already taken it, right? (laughs) But the next step is worth taking. It'll require some humility, some discipline, some honesty, some grit, some grace, some dependence on God, Do it, go for it. You were made to step out in faith and God has great things on the other side of our obedience. So we can expect that on this journey of faith, action will be required. Here's another thing that we can expect. We can expect personal transformation along the way. Listen to Genesis 12 too. I will make you into a great nation. Notice that the language here, God actually says to Abram, I will make you before he says, I will bless you. And we see the same theme in the New Testament. Jesus, when he is calling a group of ordinary men who are about to become extraordinary just by proximity of following Jesus, their lives are about to be revolutionized for all eternity. As he calls these disciples, what does he say? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The the Passion Translation describes it this way, come and follow me and I will transform you into men who catch people for God. I think often when we're not careful, we want the blessing without the process of becoming. But God is not in the business of just blessing us to acquire more, or dare I say, to make us happy. It's about who we are becoming as we follow him, which I think is such a relevant word for the city that we live in. And for many of us in this room, and I am preaching to myself, who tend to be a personality that is more uh, task-driven, more goal-oriented, who often in my own life, based on my own experiences, has equated my success and my worth as the same. That it is worth taking a moment back, a pause, and saying, you know what? The greatest successes in my life probably won't be measured with awards or bigger paychecks or more experiences to post on social media. They will probably be measured with character development. Am I becoming more like Jesus along the way? And if we're really serious about becoming more like Jesus, then Francis Frangipane has another word of advice for us. If you are serious about becoming like Christ, he is going to put you in circumstances where your only true choice is to become like him. That is the truth. I tell you, over the last couple years, my faith has been stretched for a number of different reasons in a lot of different ways. And I gotta tell you, there have been moments the last couple of years where I felt like I'm at the end of myself. Like I ain't got no more faith to give. 
I don't have any more uh, patience to give. I don't have any more forgiveness to give. I don't have any more grit to give. I don't have enough skill to give. I don't have enough capacity to give. And it's in those moments, I am so grateful in hindsight, hindsight is a gift for those moments because those moments have brought me to my knees before God. And I found myself not just praying, God, make a way, hashtag Jesus, fix it. (laughs) I've been praying, Jesus, how would you have me respond? Who do you want me to be in this situation? What are you teaching me about you right now? How do you want me to live? Ah, these are the moments that are worth celebrating. Count it all joy, friends, right, James? (laughs) Because we get to become more like Christ in the process. Let me tell you, there's going to be breakthrough in your life. There's going to be miraculous provision of following Jesus. And we're going to talk about that. Don't worry. It's coming in the message. But let me tell you this. I really believe that it is actually the refinement of our character that will serve us and others way longer than any momentary financial gain or business breakthrough or open door that we might be yearning for right now. In the long run, it's who we're becoming that matters. And he is interested, our God, in shaping us and molding us to be the people that we were always destined and created to be. You know what else we can expect? We can expect personal transformation, but clear in the text here is that we can also expect blessing. This is what I love about God. He's not an either or God. He's a both and. Yes, I want to make you. And also, I do want to bless you. Listen to the words here, Genesis 12, 2. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll bless you. Some of us, this might set us free here today because depending on what sort of background we have, some of us have kind of come to see God as this, I don't know, like puppet master pulling the strings or like he's thrown us into this maze and we're just trying to figure out life and he's like, I don't know, let's see what happens here. Or that if we make any mistake, we have to approach him almost like, lashes, you know? Like, I'm so bad, I'm unworthy. I know you've done everything for me and who am I? And I don't know if you, ah, maybe if you have any extra, could you just please give to me? (laughs) And yet very clearly, even from the very beginning of scripture in Genesis, God's word to Abram, who hadn't done anything yet, by the way, he hadn't proven that he was awesome in any capacity. He just said, I will bless you. God's in the business of wanting to bless his children. You're a child of God as a believer in Jesus Christ, which means he has good things to give to you. He wants to bless you. You know, I'll, I'll keep going back to iridescent only because it's, it's more recent in my life the last couple years, and it has been a big part of my faith journey the last couple years. But having never been an entrepreneur before and launching a company, it was a brand new ball game for me. And I remember the first few months of launching iridescent, I just had no idea how much of a scarcity mindset I had until I was doing this. I mean, I I had never done it before. And so even though we launched and we had a lot of things going for us inside because it was so new and I was already out on limb and faith, I I just remember I would would scrutinize everything. I would literally look at our our bank account, uh, our business bank account, like every day. People would say, hey, you could do this, you could do that. And I was like, yeah, great. And inside I'm like, I don't know if we're ready for it. I don't know if we should take this opportunity. I was so fearful. I was living so small-minded and I didn't even know it. And I'm so grateful for people in my life, believers who love me, who would call me out on it. Be like, wait a minute, you preach about faith a lot from the platform, but I don't think you're operating right now. Oh, I'm so grateful for those people, so grateful. No. Uh, 
And God used those people to really identify places in my heart where I was still falling into this belief that like, I'm not sure if God's gonna bless me. Like, I don't know if I'm good enough. I think I've seen other people and God does things for them, but I'm not sure about me, you know? It's so easy to fall into that trap and to start to believe that. And if you've had enough hurts and experiences in the past, then that becomes your reality. And before you know it, you're approaching God and you're having other people talk about their praise reports from the front of a stage on a Sunday, but you're going, I don't know if that'll ever happen for me, maybe someday, one day, instead of just knowing that God is gonna bless you. It's a different thing. You see, it's one thing to say that God will bless you. It's another thing to live your life expecting God to bless you. <laughs> And so I had to learn how to dream big while living in the small. I had to learn how to, how to get uncomfortable and then get, just get comfortable in the uncomfortable. I had to learn how to take some faith risks in my life, knowing that God was going to bless me along the way. Friends, I want to encourage you. God has blessing for you this year as you trust him and as you surrender to him and as you pursue his will. He has blessing for you. He does. And I don't know what those acts of faith are that you're gonna take, by the way, because it looks different for every single one of us to live like God's gonna bless us. And listen, it is really only between you and God, the Holy Spirit, as to whether your acts of faith are really grounded in wisdom and faith or just plain stupidity. Like, I don't know, it's gonna look different, right? But here's what I do know, what has helped me discern the difference in my own life is being able to be aware of what is motivating my decision-making. Am I motivated by fear right now or am I motivated by the goodness of God? Because God wants to bless us. We can expect blessing and we can also expect to exercise greater authority. I mean, listen to what God said here. He said, you know, I will make you into a great nation. Now think about this. Let's take a step back context here. Like if, if somebody walked up to you and said, I'm gonna make you into a great nation, like you're gonna be a national power, you're gonna have a global impact, I automatically would think this is greater influence and greater power, right? And so even though God hasn't called us to become a nation as individuals today, he has, as believers and followers of Jesus, called each and every one of us to operate in greater authority and greater power. I mean, listen, listen to what Jesus said to his disciples before ascending into heaven, after the resurrection, after he's paid the price for our sins. Now he's offered a way of salvation and he's about to say, tag your it to the disciples and through the disciples being empowered by the Holy Spirit, we see the birth of the early church. This is some of Jesus's final words to his disciples. He said to them, go in all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. I, I really hope I don't have to do that. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. This sounds like a whole lot of authority and power. And here's the thing, the early church believed him. They believed that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit could allow them to see things that they naturally could not have seen and be a part of things that would be humanly impossible. And because they believed it, when they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, miracles didn't cease, they continued. Jesus ascended into heaven, and yet the church still saw healing and deliverance and salvation and freedom and signs and wonders. And guess what? In the life of the church, over 2,000 years later, miracles still haven't ceased. 
because God has given his church, you and I, greater authority and power to exercise. Now, I, I really actually love that our culture today is, I would say, perhaps more transparent than it's ever been in some ways. <laughs> And specifically having conversations that maybe 10, 20 years ago, we wouldn't as a society feel comfortable having. And I think one of those is just being able to talk about the reality of fear and anxiety in our lives. And there's been a buzzword the last few years, imposter syndrome. And this idea that, you know, we all kind of have these moments of imposter syndrome, which I think is just a fancy word for being intimidated, right? And the Bible actually talks about a spirit of intimidation and talks about timidity and the role that it can play in either hindering our faith or how we can overcome that. And, and I do think that there are certain spaces from my own experience where, yeah, that is how I felt. I felt a little bit of imposter syndrome in my life, I'll admit it. I've been in certain spaces, I've been in work meetings and been like, you know, I really hope they, they think I should be here right now. I hope I have something of quality to say. Uh, I hope they can't discover that. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? I, I've, I, I've been in my, in my marriage. You know, as somebody who's just trying to figure out marriage, there's been moments where I'm like, I think this is the right thing to do. I don't know. I mean, maybe people look at me and think she's got to be a great wife, but I mean, Ben's really the one who knows, like I'm figuring it out. We're all figuring it out, right? And, and there's even been spaces, and I think this can happen for us in a church community where we come to church and we're like, man, I hope people don't figure out that I don't really know a lot about my faith. I hope people don't figure out that I don't know really read my Bible enough. I hope people don't figure out that I'm still struggling with these doubts. I hope, I hope people don't know that, that I'm not as further along in the journey as I would like to be. So I'm just going to sing hallelujah really loud and hope people don't figure out I kind of don't know what I'm doing. There's a danger to that though. Because when you're driven by intimidation and by fear, you stop exercising your God-given authority and power. And so I want to encourage you, there is a difference between knowing that it is by the grace of God that God will do something great in your life and relying on his grace, and then operating in a place of fear where you're constantly going, I don't measure up and someday somebody's going to find out. There's a difference. And I think that when we find ourselves in those spaces, we have to remind ourselves what Jesus on the cross died for us to have. We have great power and authority that we can exercise. And so instead of being limited internally in our mind, thinking, I don't know if I measure up. I don't know if I got what it takes. I don't know how it's going to work out. Instead, we can say, actually, to fear, no, I get to exercise the greater authority that God has for me. Greater is the one that is in me than you right now. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me. And so I can rely on him and I can cry out to him. And so maybe I'm not the most experienced person in the room. Hello? but I have the spirit of God with me. And so you can walk with confidence into the spaces that God's called you to, not because you know it all. Thank God you don't know it all. This is really refreshing today. If we just left with this one revelation, we don't know it all, but we have the spirit of God with us. And so we can enter into spaces and go, God's gonna use me. God's gonna show me things that, that, that I'm gonna be a blessing where I go, that there's things for me to do here that God has uniquely wired me to do. And maybe, and some of you, this might be true for you right now in your relationships. Maybe you didn't have the best upbringing. Maybe you didn't see the greatest examples of what it looks like to do marriage and relationships well. But that doesn't mean you have to walk through life intimidated and wondering if you have what it takes. You can say, you know what? The spirit of God is within me. I am a part of the family of God. 
God. And so maybe I didn't learn these lessons, but I know the one who knows them. He has given me wisdom and he'll continue to lead and guide me. And I can break every generational curse in this lifetime in the name of Jesus. I could have a different future than the one that was handed to me. Maybe you can walk into spaces like this and you could be open and honest and say, yeah, I'm growing in my faith. We all are. I haven't figured it all out, but I'm not going to play into this imposter syndrome. Instead, I'm going to exercise the power and authority I have. And I'm going to keep leaning in. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to believe that there's a space for me here because I am a child of God and I'm going to grow through the flaws, through the imperfections. I'm going to grow. We can exercise greater authority. A couple more things. Here, when we look at this text, we can also expect to serve others. I hope you picked up on this. Genesis 12, 2. Not only I will bless you, it says, and you will be a blessing. You, you will be a blessing. Now there's no one that has ever walked the earth that has encompassed this more than Jesus. I mean, Jesus, he described his mission. He says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. His mission was to save us. He lived to be a blessing. He died to be a blessing, an eternal blessing to each and every one of us. And he rose from the dead to be a blessing to us. And whether or not you actually are a follower of Jesus, if you ever read the gospel, I hope you read the gospels at some point because this is how we get to know Jesus. But if you read the gospels, even from the standpoint of like, I don't forget about faith. Let's just read his life. You cannot deny the fact that he was obsessed with people. He loved people. He served people. Everywhere he went, it was just about serving the people. I mean, he did crazy things just for the people. He multiplied a sack lunch to feed a group of 5,000 and 4,000. That's not just including, that's just the men that were counted. They're not the women and children just because they're like, ah, oh, they're hungry, let's feed them. Who does that? I'm not feeding that many people. Like I'm having a hard time feeding like a few people, you know, in our house. Like that's, that's next level compassion. He would heal the sick. He would cast out demons. He would confront the religiosity of the day that was stopping people from having a genuine relationship with God. And ultimately he went for, to the cross. Why? People. He was obsessed with people. He still is. And my husband, I love my husband. And I'll tell you one of the things I love about him is his focus. He's kind of an extreme guy. Once he's made a decision, he is all in. And so he's all in with his hobbies. And I love my husband, man, his hobbies. You know, some of us have hobbies that are like knitting, you know, like I'm a part of a book club. You know, I, I, I'm like martial arts, whatever. His are golfing, snowboarding, and race car driving. So pretty expensive hobbies, but you know, I love it. I love what he does. But my husband's extreme and he gets like this tunnel vision. He gets obsessed about it. And I, I do love this about him because it's what makes him so great at everything that he does. But leading up to a snowboarding trip, he's not a novice by any means. He snowboards a lot. But leading up to it, he's like reading articles about snowboarding. He's, he's improving his gear. He's always ordering something on Amazon like this is going to help with the wind resistance. I don't even know. I don't know how snowboarding works. But he's like in it to win it, you know. When it comes to car racing, he's like watching videos of other people racing cars and he's dissecting how they do it. And you better believe his favorite movie of all time now is Ford versus Ferrari. And he's like, I could do this. And he's like breaking it apart. And, and I mean, this is golf, okay? My husband, my husband last year went on an international trip across the world. He went to Thailand. He had a day layover in Dubai and he took his golf clubs with him so that he could go golfing during his less than 24 hour layover in Dubai. He was golfing in the middle of the day in Dubai, triple degree heat, 100% humidity. No one was golfing that day on Dubai, but my husband. 
And when I asked him about the experience, I mean, he basically golfed in what would be equivalent to the temperature of Hades. His first response to me was, it was awesome, right? <laughs> this is somebody who is obsessed. What would it look like for us to just get a little tunnel vision this year when it comes to serving people around us? What would it look like if we just get a little obsessed with helping people this year. I mean, really, not just like, ah, if I got a little extra time or, you know, I kind of had to, but obsessed. Like, it doesn't matter how hard the circumstance was. It doesn't matter how busy the schedule was. Like, yes, we're gonna serve you. Yes, we're gonna help you. Yes, I'm gonna find a way to make sure you know about the good news of Jesus Christ. Like, yes, I'm gonna look for ways to pray for you. Like, what if that became our obsession a little bit this year? Would we be more like Christ? Absolutely. <laughs> Would we see miracles? Absolutely. Would we see harvest in our workplace? Would we see people come to know Christ? I absolutely believe so in our city, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our friendships. Let's understand that we can expect this year to serve others. I'm gonna invite the team to come up and in just a moment, we're gonna pray together. But there are a couple more things here. And this is how we'll end our time that we can expect from God. I want us to notice the language that God uses with Abram towards the end of his promise to, to Abram. He says, I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth, they will be blessed through you. When I take a step back and I look at this, the Nicole Smithy paraphrase would be this. God said to Abram, you know what? I got your back. I'm with you. I'm in this with you. And I want us to hear from heaven today that God's got our back, that he's with us. He's with us in the journey. He's with you this year. This doesn't have to be an ordinary year. And I don't know what the year unfolds for you, but here's why I know it doesn't have to be ordinary because God's with you in it. He's with you in it. And the last thing that I can absolutely expect from God based on this text, <laughs> when you look a little bit more at the promises that God made to Abram, you see that there's a little bit of, I don't know, lopsided assignments. Like notice what God tells Abram is his job. Go. Notice what God says is his job. I'll bless you. I'll make you. Great nation. I'll be with you. <laughs> Clearly, somebody here is doing all the heavy lifting and it's not Abram. And friend, this year, I want to remind you that you can expect God to do the heavy lifting in your life. As you're faithful to follow Him, as you're faithful to look to Him, as you keep showing up every day with a heart of surrender saying, God, your will, not mine. In your life, you can expect God to do the heavy lifting. He can do things in the job for you that you can't do. He can open doors, He can close doors. He can put you in spaces and in places. He can bring healing, He can bring restoration. He can bring certain divine appointments and connections and relationships that you could never manufacture on your own. And that's how it's supposed to be because he's the one who does the heavy lifting in our lives. So we can trust him this year. And that's my heart for us today. That's my hope for us today, that as we continue into this year, that we would stand strong on the promises that God has for us that we let them resonate in our hearts and minds and that we would build our lives in the midst of uncertainty, knowing that we can expect these promises 
to be fulfilled day in and day out as we follow him. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word today and we thank you, God, that you make good on all your promises, that you're trustworthy, that you're good, God. We thank you that even though some things are uncertain, a lot of things are uncertain, <laughs> your promises are crystal clear to us. And I pray for every single one of us right now that they would be more than just information we heard in a service, but they would become heart revelation, that we would know, that we would know, that we would know that these promises are for us, not just for Abram, but for us. And that we'd build our lives on the fact that you are faithful. Jesus, you showed the full extent of doing the heavy lifting on the cross when you did what we could never do for ourselves. You gave your life for our sins. You paid the price for our moral mistakes and failures. You did what we couldn't do. You died for us, you rose again. You conquered death for us, we could never do that. And you offer us eternal salvation. And so we say thank you.